Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hello and welcome to the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and here's what's making news this week. Will Brown put his hand up as a Supercars title contender in Tasmania with two wins and a third on a weekend where other contenders hit trouble. The other race win at Simmons Plains went to Brock Feeney, who also had a second place on Sunday. As expected, parity was a hot topic across the weekend with both manufacturers running new engine maps, while Chevrolet's near-perfect run of podium finishes continued. We'll have more on that later in the show. The future of supercar star Cam Waters was another talking point in Tasmania with some differing views on his contractual situation heading into 2024. Shane Van Gisbergen's NASCAR debut has been confirmed. The Kiwi will drive for Trackhouse Racing at the Chicago Street Circuit Race in July. Erebus is set to dip its toe into the NASCAR world as well, with a delegation from the squad heading to the States next month to hang out with Richard Childress Racing. Barry Ryan, Brody Kostecki and Will Brown will all be part of the trip, as will Kostecki's engineer George Commons and manager Nathan Kasia. And Chaz Mostert looks set to race overseas as well this year, with a deal to race at the Spa 24 in the works. Joining me this week to discuss all that and more is a teammate that has been known to fire up at a driver's briefing or two, Stefan Bartholomew. Stefan, how are you this week? G'day, Andrew. I am very well. It's a shame, though, that they don't let journos into those briefings because it sounded like the one in Tassie was pretty entertaining. I believe it certainly was. Yeah, it's, uh, it is it is a shame. It would be interesting to go to those things and actually hear what's going on. I know you, driver's briefings are usually pretty boring, but... Yes, apparently that was a beauty with a bit of Barry Ryan versus Bairdo on the uh, on top billing, which everyone seemed to enjoy and talk about a fair bit over the weekend. Anyway, um, yeah, briefing blobs aside, <laughs> I think it's time that we accept that Erebus Motorsport is the real deal, Stefan. Another weekend where the team was the class of the field. It certainly, you know, doesn't seem to be a fluke at all anymore. I think we've very much reached that point. And what we're also starting to see is that it, even if nobody runs Erebus down pace-wise, winning the title won't be a cakewalk for Brody Kostecki because suddenly Will Brown looks every single bit the title contender with another couple of impressive wins on the weekend. And with Brody having a bit of a wobble in race one with the contact with Cam Waters dropping him down to 23rd, uh, Will's actually closed to within 87 points of his teammate. It's a, uh, it's a spicy battle. And, Stefan, I just refuse to believe it's not going to get spicier at some point this season it's still very much happy families at Erebus at the moment but you just can't help but wonder when and what the tipping point is I actually asked Will Brown about this in the press conference on Saturday evening we'll ask him if he felt the potential for a bit of tension in the garage is there should they end up fighting it out for the title later this year and uh, and here's what he had to say uh, Will, you mentioned that, you know, there's no – you and Brody work so well together and you can't foresee any, you know, that changing. But when you're both running at the front, you're at the same stage of your careers, 
you're both quick, you're closing in, you know, you, you pull back points today. Could you really foresee there not being any point in the season where there's some tension, if there's some contact or something like someone double stacking, anything like that? Oh, he can't help double stack into the slowest on the day, so it's not the, it's not between me or him, um, that side of it. It's just unlucky. But, um, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm sure if it gets the end of the year and, you know, we're sort of both uh, up there in the championship together, well, we'll have to start racing each other then and uh, we'll see what happens there. But right now it's, uh, it's really good in the garage and I can't see anything going on. So, Stefan. We saw a bit of niggle in race two when Will asked for Brody to be moved aside to have a crack at Brock Feeney, a wish that wasn't granted. Um, I mean, if you then look at the start of race three with them both on the front row, if Brody had made a better start and that arrived at turns one and two together, it could have got messy. And I think we're going to see more Erebus front rows this year. What do you reckon? Will the love in be endless or is it on borrowed time given the team's remarkable form? Well, clearly this dynamic is something the team is going to have to manage through the year and that race two situation, it was awkward and rightly or wrongly, it felt like they gave that win away, you know, because Feeney really came through and mugged them both through that pit stop cycle. So I'm sure yep. they'll review that. They're still learning how to manage these races when they've got two cars in the fight. But I mean, sometimes a bit of awkwardness is just unavoidable and even car-to-car contact, which I think is what you're getting towards there, like to some extent that's actually just inevitable. Like if you race totally. close enough, often enough, it happens and we've seen it with Triple Eight in the past, we've seen it with Tickford and so on, but it comes down to how good the management is in terms of the ability to keep the drivers and engineers in check when a spot fire does actually break out. And yeah, I, I think Barry would pull them into line pretty quick if there's any ego getting in the way of the team, but it will definitely be the test of his management, whether they can maintain this great culture that they have right now through the full season. Absolutely. Well, look, it it was something they actually spoke about and in the team boss's uh, press conference on Friday, Barry was asked about it, um, about uh, not so much, you know, tension between the drivers, but about managing the race strategy because obviously, you know, they got beaten by Brock Feeney, in Perth um, when they potentially could have semi-sacrificed a car and jumped him. In this case, you know, they let the guys race at the start of the race. Um, Brock could get in a position to jump them both and go on and win the race, you know, like – and he admitted, you know, obviously that was before that actually happened, but he admitted that it is something that the team is learning how to manage and learning how to best strategize with two cars at the front. So they're quite open about the fact there's a learning process going on there. But it is that contact I'm talking about because – it's things like asking a driver to be moved aside and not happening that makes a driver go, right, obviously this thing's going to be decided at the front. If we're the two quickest cars out there and we're on the front row, it seems the team's not willing to shuffle people around based on it's going to be a race to the first corner. And to me, that's just where the danger lies. And we go to Darwin next. You know, It's very easy to arrive at turn one there, be on the outside and end up well off in the weeds. I just think it's uh, it's definitely quite interesting and there is some potential for some fireworks there despite the uh, – despite the constant claims. We'll, we'll actually, you know, like he said, he doesn't anticipate anything changing. So, yeah, mm. we'll see. Yeah, but at the moment they've actually been doing a good job of helping each other out, like at turn one when uh, when yeah. Brock got shuffled wide and it allowed them to to have a one-two through that. So, yep, yeah, so sure. far they've actually played those things pretty well. Absolutely. We will definitely see what happens. Anyway, once again it was all Camaros on the three podiums across the weekend in Tasmania with parody very much a hot topic in the paddock. Um, There was a fair bit of chopping and changing with engine maps throughout the weekend. 
The four teams ran a V2 and a V3 map in practice, as well as a mix of a 30 millisecond and a 50 millisecond shift cut. Shorter shift cuts were trialed on some Camaros as well in practice. Now, the feeling from the Ford camp was that the V3 map is actually a decent step forward, but that's not approved for use by supercars yet. So for qualifying in the races, it was the V2 map with the 30 millisecond cut while the Camaros went back to the 105 millisecond cut. Uh, now, on Friday, uh, there was this Team Bosses press conference where parody, of course, came up. Uh, let's start off by listening to what Barry Ryan had to say about it. I know I've seen um, the top Ford team's data and we've sat down together with them and compared notes and we know this in the data there's no difference. So if people don't believe the data, well, why do we have the data? We may as well just have an old taco. Now, of course, it does make sense that the team that's doing the winning will want to play down the parity claims. Um, although I think in this case, you know, because obviously 2019 and Scott McLaughlin and the Mustang, all that stuff jumps to mind. But I think in this case, the fact that Erebus is basically the class of the Camaro field as well is still bloody good going. So I don't think anybody in the Erebus camp needs to take this whole thing personally. Um, one key thing that relates to Barry's comments there about the data is that the four teams just aren't actually satisfied with the data. And I honestly feel that nobody quite knows what the issue is at the moment. And that's why this transient dyno testing program that's in the works is so critical. Now, in that same press conference, Tim Edwards explained why that is. The transient dyno is more about um, a validation tool just to ensure that we have got parity between the engines. You know, the, I suppose the best way to describe the dyno that they're using at the moment versus a transient dyno is when you started primary school, you had a calculator with 10 digits on it and a plus and a minus. When you finished uni, or you had a scientific calculator with a lot more buttons on it. So it really it's just, you know, a transient dyno is just a far better tool to validate the engines and, and that'll just tell us, you know, if there's a difference, if there's not a difference. Um, you know, we have got for the first time in the history of the sport two engines that are different capacity, different architecture and as Baz says, you know, they're very close. Are they exactly the same? I don't know, you know, and we need to do that testing and then we can put it to bed, not talk about it ever again. You know, we know that there was great transparency at the aero test at Tamora. And so we all walked out of that hand on heart. Yep, we've got transparency here. So I think we just need a bit more information, then we can just put it to bed. So to summarise all this as succinctly as possible, it appears one of the issues is that the Ford engine, as it's more electronically flexible than a single camshaft deal like the Chev, is the one that's being poked and prodded to try and achieve parity. Or, and certainly was the case throughout the development process, the initial development process. And that's eventually led to the engine not being as nice and as usable as it should be. Uh, and the mapping and shift cuts are great, but a very common train of thought from both sides of the divide is that if the motors are properly paratized, they should have the same shift cut delta. That is a band-aid solution that should eventually be moved on from. And the path to get there most likely lies with this uh, wonderfully named AVL dyno that's in Melbourne. Um, now, just to complicate this whole thing a little tiny bit more, there is also a sense from multiple Ford drivers, from multiple Ford teams that engine isn't actually the only issue, that the Camaro is still just a better balanced race car, which could mean that even when we have more answers on the engine, the debate doesn't come to a complete end. Just to give you a bit more of a headache there, Stefan, <laughs> uh, what, uh, what are you making of it all? Well, firstly, you really could have told people that you had this AVL dyno down in Melbourne. It could have saved a lot of trouble if you brought this up earlier. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just really hope for the sake of everyone that this dyno testing does provide the answer. And I believe there were supercars personnel inspecting that dyno yesterday, checking its suitability and how much investment will be required to use it because you don't just drop the engine 
on it. It's the whole drivetrain, basically, that, that's required there. But clearly, Supercars needs to find a way to make this work because improving the actual parity process is the correct way out of this mess. Like this yep. rolling brawl around race results and who's doing a better job and who's making too many mistakes. It's it's just a stain on the season at the moment. Yeah, no, nah, it definitely is. Uh, one man that has had a bit to say about parity is Cam Waters. He was the leading light for Ford over the weekend as he returned to a bit of form after a couple of tougher rounds. I grabbed him for a chat on Sunday evening at Simmons Plains. How do you sum up that weekend? Was that a good weekend or was that a frustrating weekend? Uh, it was like an okay weekend. Probably because we've come off two kind of hard rounds. Yeah. So bounce back, have a fast car over one lap, which was great. Yeah. Um, qualifying probably could have got a pole. Yeah. Um, if, you know, the things happen, didn't happen that, that happened yeah. today. Yeah. Um, and then over race distance, we just weren't quite there compared to the other cars. So. Um, I think we're top forward for the weekend on points, second for the round, which is which is good. Yeah, still got a bit of work to do though. Do you know where that pace kind of went the last couple of rounds? I mean, we're sort of used to seeing you leading the way for this team, and we didn't necessarily see that for yeah. a couple of rounds. Do you know what happened? Um, a little competitive at both rounds, but had a bit of bad luck. AJP, we had bad luck, um, which you know made us qualify back in the pack, and then because the race is so short, it, it hurt us a lot. Perth, found a few things wrong after Saturday night, so that yeah. kind of hurt your whole weekend. And then you change the car, so you're learning to drive a different car. But then in the races, we race forward both races. So yeah. we've actually had pace the last two rounds, just haven't really had anything to show for it. But um, yeah, this weekend probably took a step forward again on, on raw pace, which was good. Um, just got to, you know, work on a few of these other issues we got going on. You mentioned the uh, the run-ins with the, the DJR cars in qualifying. Did you maybe misjudge trying to get the toe there, or is it just something you can't do much about at this track? Well, there's a few things that happened. Um, I did leave a gap to the guys, and I left left a pretty big gap, a bigger gap to Wilbur after yeah. what happened with Anton. Um, unfortunately, Anton and Will had issues on their first wire. Yeah. Um, well, their, their first time lap, they did an eighty percent. So the first time lap, they had issues. So then lap two. I'm starting on their rear bar, yeah. and r lap three is when you're doing the lap. So you need to do lap two. You have to complete it to do your banker, because yeah. if, you, if you don't, and then a yellow comes out or something, you're screwed. So I um, I left a big gap, but just both of them made mistakes, and um, yeah, I started way too close to them after they made the mistakes on on um, you know for the third lap. Will did his, I think, at uh, turn six, so it was kind of hard for him to do anything different. Yeah. Anton, I think he did his at turn four, so he probably could have made a different decision, but um, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I've well, truly moved on from what's happening quality. Yeah. Um, you've been, you've, you've mentioned the, the parity thing a couple of times. Do you still feel like you're having to drive this thing too hard in the race to keep up with the other guys, using up too much rear tyre to keep up with those chefs? Yeah, well, you know, I can only speak for my car and what I do inside my car, and I guess my team cars. Um, and to extract a lap out of it, you're, you're sliding and you're, you're using all the tyre. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when you put a green tyre in a car, in quality, it masks some of your problems. Um, so you, yeah, just get and away out, with it a little you bit. You can get away with, you know, having little issues. Yeah. So um, in a race distance, you can't do that. 
you you have to drive the car back or if you do drive past it you know you're gonna blow the tire off it and that's yeah. essentially what happened this weekend i think you ran the version 3 map in practice did that feel better or you didn't run the version 3 i didn't run the v2 um okay. i only ran the v2 sorry yeah uh, other one of the other cars ran v3 um yeah we made gains for i guess drivability yep. between perth and here probably need that again i think yeah um and that might help a bit of our tire life stuff but i think there's more going on than just the engine there's a bit of talk about your future on friday after the <laughs> team boss's president tim sort of suggested that uh, he didn't expect too much movement smoke and mirrors. what's uh what's your take on what you'll be doing uh next season look to be completely honest with you we haven't really spoke about next season we're pretty early in the year still um and yeah spending all my time and energy trying to make these things as quick as I can a bit of sprint car stuff as well so um, yeah I think we'll start talking pretty soon I would have thought um, might play hard to get a little bit with Tim and, and not come in I might answer the old call and <laughs> we might, might have to bring him a coffee occasionally or something I don't know it'll um, yeah haven't, haven't had the discussion yet now Stefan let's delve into what Cam said at the end there about not being in talks about his future just yet because Tim Edwards was singing a bit of a different tune on Friday about the future of his driver lineup. Uh, he even gave our mate Connor O'Brien a bit of a clip about having suggested that Cam was on the market. Here's what Tim had to say. Well they're all pretty much under agreements for next year in different ways. Some have already had options exercised on them and others have got options that are mine to exercise. So. Um, I, I, I do chuckle when I read some journalists' reports. Hey, Connor. So, hang on. So, the general consensus is that Cam Waters is off contract at the end of the year, but in your eyes, he isn't. No comment. I don't know, Stefan. I'm not saying Cam is definitely on the move, but I'm not sure if it's going to be as simple as activating an option for Tickford as Tim kind of alluded to. What do you reckon? Yeah, there's obviously a bit going on in the background. Tim's attempt to clear that up there wasn't all that convincing, like, I love the wording that his drivers are all pretty much under agreements. Yeah. Um, Tickford's view does seem to be that Cam's top three finish in the championship last year triggered an extension or at least an option to extend on their side. Yeah. But we've seen various curious contract scenarios play out at Tickford in the past. And we have. There's a bit of noise out there about. Groves about Walkinshaws maybe being mm -hmm. interested in Cam. So, you know, whether or not either of those have any legitimacy, I don't know. But either way, it's not the last we've heard of this topic, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Shane Van Gisbergen is off to NASCAR, at least for a one-off. That's now official with Giz set to join Trackhouse Racing for the Chicago Street Race in a few weeks' time. Um, here's what he had to say over the Tasmania weekend about his expectations heading into that debut. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess um, yeah, it's hard to just jump in on one race, especially they do more than one a year now, so they're pretty sharp. Like, I've obviously taken notice the last couple of months and tried to watch. Like, they're not not Billy's, like it's not like there's only two or three good road course races anymore. Like the top 10, 15 guys can drive and turn right now. So yeah, like it's, it's gonna be very difficult. So Stephanie says it will be hard and that the NASCAR drivers aren't Billy's, to use his term, <laughs> on a road course these days, but this isn't a road course, this is a street course. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wins this thing by a lap. Obviously taking into all the factors, like the fact that someone can just run you off the road and into the wall at any point that they want to, but 
What do you reckon? Is this going to be a big challenge for him or could he go there and be right in the hunt? There's no doubt he'll be fast because it is that perfect scenario for him being a street course that no one has been to before and how similar the current NASCARs are to a supercar. And when you look also the team he's going with, like the Trackhouse road course program is very good. So the equipment should be right there. So it's all set up for him to make a big impression. But, yeah, as you alluded to right right at the end there, like the road course races are very hard to win because they're so chaotic with with cautions and, and these wild driving standards um, that, that they have over there. So there's no straightforward way to win these races. So, yeah, it'll be entertaining. He'll be in the mix. But um, the result, yeah, it's pretty hard to forecast. I reckon he's going to be taking it really seriously, and here's why. I have a wild theory that Shane won't be in supercars next year. I just wouldn't be surprised if he jets off overseas at the end of the season, and I don't know why. I just don't feel like he's settled, and I don't feel like it's really changing for him, and I don't think Gen 3 is delivering what he wanted out of it. So I just, I don't know. I'm not convinced he's going to be here next year. Yeah, you're going to have Jamie Winkup's phone uh, running pretty hot with driver inquiries uh, getting around saying that but yeah Shane's certainly showing signs of being being restless at the moment the comments yep. about it being an engineer's car and lamenting all the politics in the sport and and all of that but my question really is where would he go like he's repeatedly said he's not interested in doing 30 oval races a year in NASCAR like do you reckon that'll change I don't know I don't know, but it could just be that this is the launch pad, even if it's not a launch pad to doing something in NASCAR, but just the ultimate sign of his versatility and sort of saying to the wider motor sport community, because we can't just say racing because he's obviously has his hand in rallying now that, you know, that he can get the job done at pretty much any level and that he could be considered for something else. I'm not sure. It just it just certainly doesn't uh, – it just doesn't feel like he's happy at the moment and I don't think Triple Eight would try and make him honour that – one-year contract to stay in 2024 if he doesn't want to. And it was quite interesting what he was saying because he's mentioned that engineer's car thing a few times now and I've never actually fully understand what he meant. And he sort of explained it quite well over the weekend by saying that it's about the driver can't really manipulate the car that much. You can't actually – it's getting harder and harder for the driver to make the difference. And that does sort of play back to something we talked about so much about this kind of – you know, like the, the the Carrera Cup theory where the cars get too similar and the guys can't really race each other because they just get to the limit of the car fairly mm. quickly. Um, so it sort of feels like that is what is he is finding and that is what is frustrating him at the moment because he did have his toolbox full of tricks with those Gen 2 cars and he knew how to drive them in a way that no one else really did. So yeah, look, it's it's all just it's all just quite fascinating. Um, I certainly would like to see how strong that option on Cam is if a seated triple eight came up, uh, <laughs> that mm-hmm. could really make life hard for Tickford. So anyway. Yeah, and with Shane, it comes back to the fact that he's always wanted to race supercars because he finds it really fun. And and that went back right to the start when I think um, Gil Traps, uh, he had the opportunity there through them to, to do the Kiwi A1GP thing and and go sort of down the open wheel path but from you know he's 17 years old and all he wants to do is race supercars and he's always said that's where he gets the most enjoyment but clearly right now he's he's not getting that same enjoyment so yeah we'll see where it goes
All right, let's take a look at what is happening around the world. The Imola Formula One race didn't go ahead over the weekend due to flooding in the region. That means attention turns to the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. Alex Pelot will start the 107th running of the Indy 500 from pole this weekend. Scott Dixon qualified 6th, Will Power 12th, and Scotty McLaughlin in 14th. Stefan Wilson, meanwhile, made the cut for the race but looks to be out already after fracturing a vertebra during Monday practice. And Kyle Larson picked up a million bucks for winning the NASCAR All-Star Race at the North Wilkesboro Speedway. He also won the track race at the venue. Okay, Castrol mailbag time. Now, we had a few people asking this week about in-car anti-roll bar adjusters and if they are coming back back uh, so i chucked the question at supercars and the answer is maybe but not anytime soon uh, it's on the list to be reviewed i assume it will be a discussion point for the commission at some time but i guess the reality is at the moment there are bigger fish to fry for the motorsport department at supercars Stefan, do you feel we've missed the in-car adjustment at all well i, I think so yes and when you look at the fact that the biggest problem the category has right now really is the Mustang drivers saying that the drivability issues with mm. their engine hurts the rear tires over a race run. You sort of think like, imagine if you had a tool in the car you could adjust yeah. to help the rear tire life during a stint. Yep. Like, obviously that's not the solution to the parity situation, but surely not having it is actually magnifying whatever problem is there. Yep. Well, the stripping of tools to try and deal with the issue. Mm, exactly. Um, so that is a very, very good point. All right, let's hand out some Castrol stars of the week. Stefan, you can go first this week. Who gets your Castrol SOT dub? Well, you know I love a second-generation story, Andrew, mm, so do. I'm giving my star of the week to Ronan Murphy. Ronan, of course, is the 21-year-old son of Greg Murphy and took his first Porsche Sprint Challenge race win on Sunday at Simmons Plains. Ronan moved to Australia this year to chase his racing dream and it certainly hasn't taken him long to find some success. Not at all. It was very, very cool to see. So I've had to sort of beat this story into a star of the week this week, but it's just too good a story not to include. So my star goes to anybody that happened to be in the crowd at the Hickory Motor Speedway in North Carolina on Saturday night as they witnessed one of the most amazing moments of madness I've ever heard about at a racetrack. So there was a coming together between... Landon Huffman and Annabeth Barnes Crum in a late model race. Barnes Crum then proceeds to storm through the field under caution and deliberately shunt into Huffman as retaliation, destroying both cars. And then Barnes Crum's husband and Huffman's dad got involved in a punch on the spotter stand that left Huffman's old man with a busted nose. Like, wow. you know, we think Owen Kelly's the tear up king, but like these blokes are making him look like a kindergarten teacher. Yeah, I'm sure if there was a direct flight from Launceston to Hickory Motor Speedway, you would have been straight on it to go and chase this one. Amazing story. Amazing. Anyway, that's it for this week. Remember to like, subscribe, and review our work wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll be back next week with more Castrol Motorsport News. Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here. And yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. 
From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 W Racing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.